0: You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White and today I'm talking about sleep hacks for insomniacs. Nice little rhyme hey and if you like this episode and this series please follow on iTunes, subscribe. Now if you're like me sleep can be a bit hit and miss at times and getting enough sleep can become a drain that affects your performance and your productivity. I know what it's like when you're exhausted and you've got to get up and work or face a barrage of meetings. And then you're wondering, am I going to be able to sleep well tonight? Well, this is the episode for you. We're going to cover a few sleep hacks that are recommended by leading neurobiologists that can help you to improve your chance of falling asleep and staying asleep. And by the end of this episode, you'll be clear on some evening sleep hacks to help you wind down at night some ways to help you fall asleep and stay asleep and some tips for resetting your sleep clock. If you listened to the last episode of this podcast, we discussed sleep chronobiology and its impact on health and well-being along with a few simple tips for you to identify your own chronobiology, your own chronotype for sleep and we talked about how to align your routines for your personal chronotype. This is the episode where we take that a step further and get specific with some hacks to help you get better sleep, particularly. And there's a bunch of recent journal articles, as recent as 2021 20, and 22, that have revealed how ocular light exposure, that is light entering the eyes, can affect our circadian rhythms and sleep, our endocrine function, our cognitive function, and all of those things in turn influence human health and well-being. So just from getting light into your eyes it can have a huge impact on the systems that make up your body, all of those systems. So this conversation is partly based around melanopic light and that's a term that describes the way that blue light frequencies restrict melatonin production in your body until after dusk, at which time melatonin washes through the body to help you sleep. So that's a natural cycle that After sunset, your body gets this wash of melatonin to help you sleep. Obviously, that's why having bright lights on or using devices at night can disrupt your sleep because it interferes with that melatonin wash. That melanopic light or blue light frequency can disrupt that process. The recent advances in our understanding of the relationship between light exposure and sleep has led to the development of several new standards and practices. And by understanding how different light sources and the timing of light exposure works, neurobiologists have been able to develop some recommendations for improving both sleep quantity and sleep quality. So based on that, I've distilled some information from some papers and also from the Andrew Huberman podcast. He has a two and a half hour episode on optimising sleep, which is A lot of detail and really great if you want to listen to that on iTunes. But for now let's listen to the summary of some of his work plus some information from some other sources. Let's have a look at the hacks that you can use for free to improve your sleep. Let's start with looking at evening sleep hacks to help you to wind down. And one interesting hack is the recommendation to get morning sun exposure outdoors which can mitigate any of the undesirable effects of indoor light exposure during the day, which might otherwise keep you awake at night. So by getting that sun exposure first thing in the morning, by standing outdoors for up to an hour, it can help you later on to wind down more easily and sleep better. So starting your day with some sun exposure is really a great start for helping you prepare for the evening. And when it gets to winding down in the afternoon, at the other end of the day, we need to start to dim the lights in our houses. And that's because recent advances in our understanding of circadian rhythms means that light manufacturers have been able to produce blue light components so that when we're using artificial lighting during the day in our homes or in our offices, it's very similar to actual daylight. And that's great for productivity during the day, that blue light, or if you're in front of a ring light, for example, can give you that bright light exposure that helps to set your circadian rhythm. But obviously, it's not so good at night when we want to wind down and fall asleep. So as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, after sunset, the experts recommend that you dim the lights in your home in the evening at least three hours before bedtime. So that's the magic number. This will reduce the amount of light entering your eyes and will help to allow that melatonin wash to occur in the hours before bed. So we've just been talking about the lights in your house. You might like to switch to low wattage bulbs or lights with a dimmer switch or turn a few lights off or even have some romantic candle light. Or maybe you're watching TV at night from a distance and you have the lights off. That's the overhead lights. Any of those sorts of things are helpful, but it also applies obviously to electronic devices. So even though I just mentioned televisions, televisions, computer screens, tablets or mobile phones all emit blue light. Televisions might be further away if they're a few metres across the room. Like my lounge room has a a lounge that's about five or six metres away from a television on the wall, for example. So that's a bit further away, but we use tablets and computer screens on mobile phones quite close to our faces. So not using them after sunlight, dimming the brightness of the screens, using orange filters, using dark modes or night modes, all of those sorts of things are important. Ideally turning off around sunset. Uh, That will help you to fall asleep and stay asleep simply by reducing the amount and intensity of that blue light near your eyes. So going back to what I said earlier and while we're talking about sunset, an interesting study of some women showed that when you couple that daytime light exposure and the early evening light exposure, that is getting some time outside around sunset where the blue and orange hues are coming in, it can help to decrease the sleep disruptive, disruptive, uh, disruptive effects of nighttime light exposure. So by having some time outdoors in the morning and again at sunset, being outdoors in the the light, that will mitigate some of the impacts of nighttime light in your house or from your devices. Obviously then if you do have bright lights on in the house and especially late at night, it's going to suppress the melatonin wash. That's the hormone that helps you to relax and feel sleepy. So that will obviously affect the quality of sleep you have and your ability to fall asleep. So we've talked a lot about light and light is really the focus of this episode but I do want to mention some other things you can do to improve your ability of to fall asleep and stay asleep and this is from a lot of work I've done with my own clients around food and exercise both of which can have a big impact on your ability to fall asleep. I'm going to refer back to the last episode of this podcast too for a moment um, because that's relevant in terms of the timing of your food and exercise and what you eat and how big the meal is. So there aren't really any general recommendations, well there are a couple actually which I'll mention but each unique individual has their own best way and timing of eating and exercise to help you sleep. Let's start with the early rises and once again go back and listen to episode 206 for some info on your chronotype If you're an early riser, you're probably going to do better with an earlier dinner, closer to sunset time perhaps, exercising earlier in the day and minimising any social activity at night so that you can wind down properly and not disrupt your sleep. In contrast, if you're a night owl and you like going to bed later, closer to midnight, you can probably get away with eating a bit later without disrupting disrupting your sleep but you will probably need a lighter dinner and you would want to finish exercise before 7 p.m so as not to disrupt sleep. So there's a difference in the early rises and the night owls in terms of the timing of meals and exercise and night owls tend to do better with smaller evening meals. And more generally there are some recommendations which are you probably know that his alcohol intake at night could help you fall asleep but it's probably going to mean you wake up somewhere between 1 and 3 a.m and might struggle to fall asleep again. If you're a female you'll particularly notice this in your menopausal and perimenopausal years. (laughs) Sorry but it's true. (laughs) Also for some people a high carb meal and more specifically I'm talking about higher in simple carbs like sugar um, and sweet foods. Or rich foods, pastries, and things like that, they might delay sleep onset. In other words, with a high sugar meal, high simple carb meal, it might take longer to fall asleep, or it might cause you to wake up hungry in the middle of the night. So if you had crumpets and honey for dinner and a bit of fruit because you weren't very hungry, that's a recipe for waking up in the middle of the night or perhaps struggling to fall asleep. Similarly, caffeine or other stimulants after 3pm can disrupt sleep in some people who are caffeine sensitive. Because it takes around 3 but up to 15 hours to metabolise and excrete caffeine, I'm a good caffeine metabolizer, but I'm sensitive to caffeine. So if I have more than two coffees and if I have them after midday, I will often have disrupted sleep. I've done some Of my own personal research into this. So caffeine, alcohol and high carb or sugary meals before bed are probably going to cause disturbances for most people. Another thing that will perhaps affect your sleep is having a heavy meal at night, one that's got a lot of fat in it or heavy dense proteins or simply overeating. Either of those will probably disrupt sleep. And that's because too much food or too too heavy a meal can cause digestive issues. They can cause indigestion or heartburn or similar sorts of discomforts before bed or during sleep. And really, when you go to sleep, your body starts to slow down. Yet if you have undigested food in your stomach, there's competition for resources in the body. And that meal is going to sit there slowly being digested, perhaps at a cost to other bodily functions. So you might wake up the next day not feeling hungry or even feeling heavy or sluggish because you're still working through last night's meal and that can throw your circadian rhythm out as well. So the remedy is simple and twofold. Firstly, it takes around four hours to digest a meal. So most people need to finish eating at least three hours before going to bed. So that's irrespective of the timing of the meal The meal needs to happen at least three hours before bed. And it's better to eat a lighter meal before bed with lots of vegetables and the right amount of complex carbs, fats or proteins for your health type. If you want to know more about your health type, hit me up on the contact page and you can do an assessment with me to figure that out. So we've talked about tips for winding down and falling asleep. And one thing I didn't mention actually was mental Stress and anxiety but I'll talk about that in a moment. Now it's time to discuss sleep hacks for falling asleep, staying asleep and waking up energized. The science shows that if you don't get enough daytime light exposure it's as detrimental as too much electric night light exposure at night. Both of these can have adverse effects on your sleep, your circadian rhythms and your health outcomes. So to set yourself up for a good night's sleep, get that daytime light exposure within 30 to 60 minutes of waking up if possible during the day and around sunset. Not to labour the point too much, but these are some of the critical recommendations. Also during the day before sunset, try to get at least two and a half hours of bright light exposure, which could include your early morning exposure and the late afternoon. You want at least two and a half hours in total. So if you're just getting out for a bit early morning and late afternoon you want to get some more time in the day of bright light. That means being outdoors in sunlight but it could also be from another light source. Now the experts say that internal lighting isn't as bright in terms of luxe, L-U-X, as outdoor light but something like a ring light used during the day while you're at your desk especially in the morning can help you to be alert and focused and productive and can help you to get the two and a half hours in the day that you need a bright light exposure to set your circadian clock and as I'm recording this podcast I have a ring light switched on in front of me to get that because it's a gray and rainy day outdoors And in terms of light exposure while you're asleep, obviously it's recommended that your sleep environment is as as dark as possible. And if you need to get up for the bathroom during the night, the recommended maximum light exposure is 10 lux. That's that unit measure of light. You can download apps on your phone to measure light as a rough guide if you want to figure that out. Something that my husband and I have done have gone into Bunnings and we've bought motion sensor electric... um, night lights and we've put them in the bathrooms and they're plugged in and switched on so if you go into the bathroom at at night the sensor detects that you're in there the light comes on but it's a low wattage bulb and rather than turning on the bright overhead lights this is enough to help you see where you're going and get out of there and it turns on and off automatically so that's been really helpful for us. So in terms of falling asleep and staying asleep what you do in the day is important those two and a half hours ideally with some light exposure early in the morning soon after waking getting two and a half hours total having a dark bedroom avoiding bright lights during the night but also let's talk about anxiety for a moment because anxiety and worry can add to any sleep issues I've discussed it extensively in other episodes, but it's worth mentioning here. If you have worries and anxieties or depression, get some help. Keep a worry diary so that you can note down on paper any concerns you have and schedule a time to actually problem solve them when you're feeling more logical and rational. And get on top of your task list. If you're better able to organize your week and your responsibilities, It will help you to sleep easier at night. It's a very simple summary of a complex topic but those things are important too. Something that I've found very useful as someone who loves their work and sometimes has to work at night and I find it hard to switch off, bring in some fun to your life. I've spoken to so many people who are driven, career-oriented people who have trouble switching off. They have no hobbies and they can't remember the last time they had fun. It seems to be a pattern I'm noticing. So by introducing some light fun activities that aren't too stimulating in the early evening, it can help you to switch off. I find that playing my violin, doing a bit of painting or drawing, watching a cooking show, reading a book, getting outside into the garden, going for a walk in the late afternoon, any of those things can help me to switch off from my thinking brain And wind down before sleep and I've found personally that doing that around 6pm or 5pm gives me enough time to wind down before bed which is normally around 9 or, or 10. Further to that I read every night for at least half an hour before bed and the type of book I read has a huge influence on my ability to fall asleep. So think about some things that you could do to help you to unwind and relax that are fun and light and not too mentally taxing. That will help you to be prepared for a good night's sleep and to wake up feeling refreshed. I want to touch on shift workers for a moment because they are a special case. They're an area still being studied and a challenge that the neurobiologists yet haven't been able to solve. And at the moment there is evidence that by increasing that melanopic light at work, that's the office lighting, that that blue light, can improve alertness. And that's been measured both subjectively by questionnaire and objectively, but there's further study required in what has to happen at night. I can speculate that even shift workers could create some improvements in sleep, and we might look at that in another episode in more detail. But for now let's assume that at least... Your eating and exercise can be modified to improve your chance of a good night's sleep or a good day's sleep if you're a shift worker. And further, the blockout curtains, getting the light exposure right, can help you to create a rhythm that facilitates sleep. That's the last thing I want to talk about today, setting your circadian rhythm. In the last episode of this podcast, I talked about determining your sleep chronotype, in other words, the time you wake up and the time you go to bed whether you're an early riser, a night owl or an in-betweener, being consistent with your wake and sleep times can help you to set up a regular daily light and dark cycle that can further benefit your sleep, your cognitive function and your focus and your health. So this means that if you're getting up at a certain time during the week, try to keep that wake up time and bedtime through the whole weekend as well. Switching back and forth from weekdays to weekends, and the night owls might end up doing this, can create disturbances and disruptions in your circadian rhythm. By being consistent with your bedtime and wake time and getting that light door out exposure um, early in the day and late afternoon, you'll probably sleep more soundly and wake refresh. And that will set your circadian rhythm and help you to function at your best. So, as described earlier in this episode, that light exposure at the right times can help you to sleep well and wake refreshed. And the timing, quantity and quality of food and exercise in the context of your chronotype is also important. And also for everybody, not eating or exercising within three hours of sleep, reducing or avoiding alcohol at night. Also caffeine and the sugary or high glycemic foods or heavy meals is a recipe for success. On top of that, you can switch off or dim your devices after sunset, dim your house lights. And those are some of the things that cost you zero that you can do right away to help you sleep better. There is so much more research coming out about sleep right right now. It's been identified as an international health priority. Today's summary of research includes a few tips to help you manage your sleep better. If you have questions or comments or would like further information or to discover your sleep chronotype, please get in touch on the contact page of my website. And for now, thanks for listening and I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now.